1: Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. We are here. We're getting ready to learn to earn today. We're going to talk about transitioning from earned income to passive income. And for some of you, that means coming from little money to big money. Others, and it means going from big money to little money, depending on how you work things out. Now, what spawned this episode is a guy I know. I'm gonna dedicate this episode to Marv McFly, and I'm sure that's a pseudo name. It's a guy that's I know on Facebook. He's part of a private Facebook uh, members-only real estate education group, and I provide some mentorship there to a group of new investors that are learning how to take action in real estate. It's pretty cool. It's it's grown into a family. It's a family of people that are mostly new investors, some experienced investors, but mostly new investors that they pay a monthly fee it's 97 dollars a month to join this group and then myself and four other people total of five mentors mentor them through their deals we help them analyze their deals give them the motivation they need and the tools and skills that they need to be effective in, in real estate i think it's a great way for people to segue into my coaching program people that have absolutely no experience whatsoever it allows them to kind of get their feet wet and test the waters to see if real estate is really for them Uh, with a pretty low entry point. So 97 bucks a month, you can join this organization and learn the basics of real estate investing, learn the concepts and the mindset behind it. And you're going to learn things like wholesaling and you'll learn a little bit about raising private capital and some negotiation tactics. I'll go in there and I do classes on negotiation and classes on negotiating seller financing. Got a couple other educators that come in from time to time and teach on different subjects. So it's a great group. If you're interested in the group and you're, it's something that you might want to try, uh, then go to cashflowguys.com forward slash mentor, cashflowguys.com forward slash mentor. That's going to be in the show notes as well. But today I want to talk more about, as we said in the beginning, transitioning from earned income to passive income. And how this came about is Marv popped up on the Facebook group and said, you know, Tyler, because I had put a little post out there saying, you know, what do you guys want to hear this is a dedicated group. These guys are movers and shakers. They're out there taking action. I want to provide to them as I do to you, the rest of my audience. So I asked them simply what topic do you want me to talk about on, on this episode of of the podcast, flow Guys Podcast? And Marv told a, a brief story about he was making about forty thousand a year as a I actually didn't say what he does, working his regular job. He was paying his taxes the whole nine yards, and then he became a wholesaler and he quickly got himself way well over the 100k mark he did very very well as a real estate wholesaler basically getting properties under contract and then selling those assigning those contracts for a fee he did very very well was very successful but you know like anybody you know mistakes happen and and things crop up and and can lead to people failing or getting themselves in a tight area or in in a bind and he wanted me to talk more about how to what steps he could have taken Now that he's back in real estate, he got out of it for a while got back in. Now that he's back out in real estate again, what can he do this time to bulletproof or failure-proof his business? That's what we're going to talk about today. Starting out, you know, the big mistake, many real estate investors, uh, wholesalers, rehabbers, I don't care what you call them, they escape their 9-to-5 job and then they often find themselves right back in the job again. So they get out, not necessarily out of the rat race. For example, the ones that they may quit their job prematurely, they're not in a position to quit their job yet. That is a very common mistake, especially when you're wholesaling. You're wholesaling, you get excited, you get out there and you make a, let's say you got a job making 30,000, 40,000 a year, and suddenly you, you wholesale a property and you make $10,000 as an assignment fee. Well, when you're making 40,000 a year, that's a quarter of a year's income. And you might be able to make that in a week's time it does happen so it'll lead people to get pretty excited and then they start making decisions like well i'm just going to quit my job because i it would normally take me four months or three months to make this kind of money and i made it a week so i'm going to quit my job now and support myself off of this newfound income that i found well here's the issue you're used to a regular paycheck and you haven't taken any steps or not enough steps, or the right steps to make sure that that paycheck keeps on flowing into your, into your bank account. So you have to go out and hunt and kill for your meal like the caveman days. You gotta get out there and hustle to eat, to feed your family. And let me tell you, I've done it. It's no joke. And, and here's the thing, come Friday, there may or may not be a check waiting for you. That can lead to an incredible amount of stress. For investors whether they're wholesalers investors rehabbers whatever now as far as rehabbers sometimes people will skip the wholesaling thing they will go right into rehab because they've watched home and garden television oh what could go wrong i've taken some guru course they've given me access to the supposed private money they've taught me how to analyze deals they've taught me how to figure out my repair budget i've got everything i need i've got 17 llcs and a hard money loan How could I possibly fail, right? Well, I say this because I know a few people in my market like this, where they've taken every course on the planet and they feel they're convinced that they have all the answers. And when I see these people, I I shudder to think what kind of hot water they're going to get themselves into moving forward. So my goal here in this episode, if you take nothing else away, is I'm going to give you some basics. To be able to develop a plan that will hopefully lead to a much greater chance for success this go-around in the real estate game in the marketplace. Wholesalers, I find, as I said before, they can get themselves in hot water because they don't have a plan B for that extra check. So first of all, guys, you're out there wholesaling, you're flipping whatever. Don't quit your job until it becomes an absolute inconvenience. When you've got so much money rolling in from your investing activities that your job becomes an inconvenience, then and only then, when your investing income replaces your W-2 income, sure, go ahead and quit your job. That makes total sense. I get it. But maybe until that happens, you should wait a little bit. Keep that job, and I know that nine to five is when you got to be out there hustling. I get it. I understand it a hundred percent. I understand that it's tough to wholesale at night. It's tough to rehab at night on weekends. Things when you want to spend time with the family. But here's the thing, guys. If you want to make, earn that, get to the point to where you're making that money, you're getting that mailbox money, which i will talk about here in a minute. You're going to have to do extraordinary things. If you want extraordinary results, you are going to have to do extraordinary things. You're going to have to do things that other people are not willing to do. And that means maybe you got to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go to the gym. And you got to be at work by seven so that you can leave at three to make it out to some house to meet with a seller to talk about potentially wholesaling it or flipping it or whatever you wind up doing with it. You may have to spend your lunch break talking to a banker or a private money lender. Heck, you might have to go to a networking lunch or something like that. Maybe a BNI. You may have to go to Toastmasters at 7 o'clock in the morning if there is one. You're going to have to do extraordinary things. You're going to have to take extra effort. It's not going to come easy. And if it does, I I would be skeptical, frankly because it's gonna take some work. I haven't met anybody that said, oh, I got into real estate investing, and it was easy on day one. People knocked on my door and said, here, buy this house, and then the guy was right behind him, the banker with a suitcase full of money, and it was great. I just took the keys, and next thing you know, the end of the month, they sent me paychecks. Doesn't work that way, guys. Doesn't work that way. So like I said, everybody I talked to lately wants to start with wholesaling. Nothing wrong with that, but first of all, you have to have the personality for wholesaling, okay? If you are a heavily analytical person, if you're really into the details, wholesaling is probably not for you. If you're a former engineer, you may want to rethink wholesaling because you're going to be so focused on the details of the transaction, so focused on the numbers, you are more likely to get stuck with invest or, uh, analysis paralysis. As a wholesaler, your job is to take the deed from the, transfer the deed from the seller's name into the buyer's name. That's your job. You could very easily get caught up in the details. Another big mistake people make is they spend a lot, they spend a lot of money. They don't come up with a marketing budget before they start spending. They get out there and go, well, here's a fancy software program that will do half my work for me. And oh, it's only two ninety-seven a month. You ever notice that a lot of these different programs, they have all these promises and great things and this awesome squeeze page and all these cool bells and whistles, and it'll do all your work for you. Have you ever thought that might be a little too good to be true? Well, I'm here to tell you it might be. Don't know, but it might be. I digress. You're getting started, you're going to have to first sit down and come up with a budget. You're going to have to look at, well, first of all, and how you start a budget is, I would start by looking in your your checking account and figuring out how much money you have available. Don't write yourself a $5,000 a month marketing budget if you got... 50 bucks in your checking account. It's not going to work. Don't commit yourself to that, which you can't do. If you can't afford to pay for it, you're going to have to find an organic way to do it. For example, you can't afford direct mail. Direct mail is not cheap. Many people cannot afford direct mail. You could easily spend thousands of dollars a month in direct mail. So maybe you're going to have to do Craigslist ads. Tying back to the mentorship group I was talking about, there's a tutorial on there on exactly how to write the cash, the, um, the uh, Craigslist ads. So they will convert and convert means make your phone ring because you need two things as a wholesaler. You need buyers first of all, and then you need assets to sell them. You need properties to sell them. Craigslist is a great tool for that. But what a lot of people will do is they'll go out and spend money that they don't have on tools that they don't yet need. Bandit signs, break out a magic marker and buy blank white bandit signs. If you're going to do that, a lot of people will do is they'll get make up these fancy signs that, again, they cannot afford. And they'll spend all their money on fancy bandit signs that, guess what? Code enforcement realtors and angry neighbors are going to steal them. That's just how it works. And frankly, other wholesalers in my market, wholesalers steal each other's signs. It's like a bunch of children a bunch of toddlers running around. It's ridiculous. But it happens. If you can't afford these things, if you, when you're getting ready to make an order, figure out how much it's going to cost you for the bandit signs. How much is it going to cost you for the stakes that you you use to put the bandit signs in the ground? How much of your time is it going to take to put those bandit signs down? Which brings me to an important point, time. Something that many investors overlook getting in. You don't think about how much of your time you're going to invest in this. And folks, your time has value and you're going to need to think about that. Budget your time accordingly. There are a lot of cases where Some things are better paying somebody else to do. For example, I am not good at like building squeeze pages and doing a lot of the technological things behind this podcast. So what I've done is I've hired someone to do all that for me now, which frees up my time to do what I do best. I'm best at finding opportunities and making them work for myself and my investors. That's what I'm good at. I don't worry about things and I don't do things That would take me more time than it would take someone else to do because I factor the value of my time. When I look at what is my time worth, I feel my time is worth a minimum of $500 an hour. Yes, I said $500 an hour. So I look at a task and I think to myself, if I cannot afford, if I can't, if I can get that done for less than $500 an hour by paying somebody else and I have the money to do it and it fits within my budget, that I'm probably going to sublet that task to somebody else to do it. I find myself getting caught up in tasks that cost far less than the $500 an hour of value that I feel my time is worth. For example, Craigslist ads. Go to a local community college and somebody that's in a writing class. What if you offered them $8, $10 bucks an hour to write ads for you? How about that? More importantly, how about if you you hire them to post ads for you? Because that too can take a lot of time. Building these systems and putting these systems in place to maximize the availability of time that you have. So you get the biggest bang for your buck. Now, one big, the great benefit of wholesaling and why I'm okay with people starting out with wholesaling is it does help you learn valuable negotiating skills. That is a big bonus. But it can be a vicious cycle. So understand that. And you go out, you buy your We Buy Houses signs or We Buy Houses cash or whatever you wind up doing. You spend tons of money in direct mail using the trial and error method. Let me tell you, that's that's not cheap. I've been down that road. First couple mailings, I think I spent about $8,000 and the phone didn't ring. I thought, oh my goodness. But I learned. But I had to pay to learn. you got to understand that. It's going to cost you money. That's the value of having a coach. That's the value of having a mentor. That's why I got on board with these people. And we started this group at 97 a month to help folks not spend that trial and error money. Because let me tell you, that can be an expensive bill. Ask me how I know I am that guy. I've spent that money. Like I just said, I spent $8,000 trying to figure out direct mail. And then I figured it out and spent several thousand a month after that. Does it get results? Yes, absolutely. If it's done properly. Here's the thing about marketing, guys. Everything works, nothing doesn't. My mentor taught me that, Jay Massey. Everything works, nothing doesn't. The key is you have to market based on what your budget is and what you can afford. Otherwise, you're going to fall into that trap of overspending. Now you're going to be on your last dollar, and when you're out there negotiating with that seller, your negotiating skills are not going to be up to par because you are in absolute panic because you just need the money at this point. It's not even about negotiating the deal. You're just trying to get that, that guy on paper. People will smell that. They'll smell blood in the water. You get a good negotiator on the side of a kitchen table. He sees that you're desperate. He's going to eat you alive. So that, let's talk about how that happens. You spent all your money on marketing because you didn't have a budget. And now you get on the opposite sides of the table from the seller. And they smell the blood in the water. And they're a success. They're a, a good negotiator. They're going to chew you up and spit you out. You're going to have an episode of Shark Tank going on in there. Don't fall into that trap, guys. Don't do it. But if you still had the job, chances are the seller's got a job too. So I bet you, you could meet that seller over there at seven o'clock at night, and accomplish the same thing. I know because I've done it, guys. I was wholesaling while I was out in a ship in the middle of the ocean. Okay. How's getting properties under contract via satellite phone? If you want it bad enough, it'll happen. I want to talk about paying yourself first. Now with that, I mean, you, you, closing happens. And here's what happens most often. I hear, I see this time and time again. Closing happens. You collect your payday. And then you reinvest most of it or all of it back into your business, marketing, taxes, and all the other expenses so you can get to the next deal. Or worse, you forget all about paying your taxes. Or you simply avoid trying to do so, and you wind up with a big tax bill. And let me tell you, you got a tax bill. Then comes the interest and penalties. It's no joke. It's going to get expensive. So the first thing you need to do when you get paid is you're going to have to break up that money. And one of the things that I did early on to help me to form a budget was when I wrote out my budget, And I knew that I spent so much, I was going to spend so much, and out of my next closing, X amount had to come out for marketing. X amount had to come out to be reinvested in me. I had to put aside some money for education to buy some books. I hired a coach. I had to set a little bit of money aside for that. So I paid myself first. Rich Dad talks about this. Robert Kiyosaki talks about this in both the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And cash flow quadrant, paying yourself first, taking that money out and put some of that money out and putting it to work. Could be setting it in a CD, putting it in a savings account, doing something to where it's earning a return. Heck, loan it to your buddies that have a house and maybe have a little bit of credit card debt. So you make a nice payday. So you get a ten thousand dollar payday, and you got a buddy that's got a two thousand dollar credit card balance, and he's getting whacked at twenty percent interest on the big screen he bought like a moron, but he happens to own his house. Why don't you loan him that money at 10% interest instead of leaving it sitting in your bank account with you getting tempted? And In the meantime, while he's paying that money back, hang on to his credit card. That way he won't go max it out again or force him to, to close it, whatever. There's a workaround for everything. My point is, you're putting your money to work and paying yourself first. And when you do that, when you're focused on doing that, and managing your money effectively, then you're gonna stay ahead of the curve if you're smart about it and if you stay focused. If you fall, you know, you spend money on your bandit signs, you spend money on direct mail, and then you're gonna fall trapped for some of the common mistakes that wholesalers make. And one of them being you get so laser focused on getting the deal, you forget all about the proper way to do it. And the proper way, I don't care what all the gurus tell you. Most gurus out there are teaching you that you need to go out and get a deal. You got to get a deal. You got to do all this direct mail. You got to get a deal. You got to get something under contract, then go out and try to find a buyer. Here's the facts, guys. That is acting as a license, as a real estate agent, practicing real estate. Don't go down that road. Find a buyer first, a few buyers, and then find opportunities based on their needs. That's called solving problems and there's no law against solving problems and it's going to save you a bunch of money because number one, when you have, or are working with a buyer looking for a certain type of property, your marketing is going to be a lot more drilled down, a lot more detailed, a lot more focused, targeted, which is going to save you a fortune because right now, if you don't know what you're doing, you're probably mailing to every Tom, Dick and Harry on the street. Whether they need to sell have a problem or not, and folks that can get expensive real quick. You're a rehabber, same thing. You get a house, it's gonna be great. Oop, you get to start working on the kitchen counters, then you find out the floors are rotten beneath it. And the roof is leaking. Now you spent more money. Rehabs will eat up your cash. Every time. I see this happen time and time again. There's always something extra. And I, you would be shocked at how many times one of my students will come to me and say, but I'm just going to do one more flip and that'll give me the money I need. So I can now focus on my buy and hold. I can now buy my multifamily. I can buy notes. I can do my dreams after I get through this one flip. Everything depends on something that you have no control over. I'm going to say that again. Everything depends on something you have no control over. How much sense does that make? Say that to yourself next time you're getting ready to take a gamble like that. Everything depends on what I can't control. That doesn't make good sense, does it? Systems are critical as an investor. One of the most important systems you can do is how to adapt a marketing budget, a written business plan. Yes, I said it, a written business plan. I know it's cliche and there's nothing more painful than a business plan. But guys, you can get an outline online. Go on Google. Come up with an outline. And then change the facts and the figures to match what your plan is. It's not rocket science. It shouldn't take you more than a couple hours. Understand what your expenses are. Forecast them out. Come up with an idea of what your expected returns are from those expenses so you can make a plan. Here's a little ninja secret for you. If you're not good at this, which trust me, I wasn't, then go to what they call SCORE. SCORE. S-C-O-R-E. I believe it's called the, uh, it has something, it's it's put on by the Small Business Administration and basically is a core group of retired executives who volunteer their time in retirement to help new small business owners get ahead to help you do your business plan. You will get free mentorship and free coaching on how to start and run a business. Guys, they're not going to teach you how to negotiate and they're not going to teach you how to find deals or negotiate deals, or anything that has to do with deals and real estate. But they are going to teach you about business structure, how to set a budget, how to make a business plan. All of that is available for free. You've got to get on the bus, get in the car, do something, to get out to meet one of these SCORE mentors. I've met with several of them over the years. They're great, great people. They're experienced. They're former CEOs and CFOs. And there's a wealth of information you can learn from them. Invest your time, and it'll pay back tenfold. So now you got your marketing plan, you got your expenses, you forecasted, you got your returns squared away, you, you know what everything is. Now you need to track, measure, verify, then adjust a little bit, tweak it here and there, then measure, track, verify. You see how you're repeating? Until you're confident that your operating budget is correct and realistic. That's going to allow for future growth. When you're doing marketing, track what works. Lots of different ways you can do that. You can make your bandit signs different colors if you're using bandit signs. You can use different phone numbers. You can word them different ways. You can say, call Tim, call Mike, call Susan, and see who people ask for. That'll tell you what marketing is working and what marketing isn't working. If you came from a place where you made little money in your job, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to get sucked in by doodads. I'll tell you that right now. And when you're busy doing the track measure, verifying all this and you're confident your operating budget is correct and realistic and that it allows for future growth for the, everything, the, every fiber of my being don't get sucked in by the doodads. I say that because I was a terrible Do Doodads, for those of you that don't know, those are the things that take money out of your pocket, but never put it back in. Now come payday, you might be, you get a closing. You might be tempted to slack off a little bit when payday comes. I'm sure there's always going to be some life coach somewhere that's going to tell you it's okay. Everyone gets a trophy, even the fat kid for showing up. So take a little money and buy a cheeseburger and go get your wife a nice dozen roses and a $40 box of chocolates and a prime rib. You can't afford it with Chris. Folks, that's not going to get you where you need to be. All that's going to do is delay the arrival of the next payday. You start slacking off. You start getting lazy. You're not taking that 10x action anymore. Going to delay the arrival of that next payday. Remember, you're working on being an entrepreneur, which means you got to grind, you got to hustle. Remember, what Kiyosaki teaches us, Robert teaches us: instead of spending your earnings on junk, take a portion of those earnings and pay yourself first by investing that cash into something that will yield a return. I don't care how much the amount is; it could be ten bucks. This comes before paying the bills, before having fun, before buying your bling. And before buying your doodads, in a short period of time, a few hundred dollars can easily be turned into a few thousand dollars by practicing the art of arbitrage. And folks, it's it's this simple. You buy low, you sell high. I don't care if you buy a john boat, some lawn furniture, whatever, a stock, maybe you buy a note. I love buying little notes. You'd be amazed how many little $500, $1,000, $1,500 notes are out there. You buy the note. Let's say it's a $500 note. Well, you're buying it for 100 So you, buy, you give somebody 100 bucks. They, give you the, they sell you the promissory note, which means you're buying the future payments. You buy that note for 100 bucks, and you sit back and wait. And when, when all the payments come in, you've collected 500 bucks. Not too shabby. You become the bank. And you can buy them in all different denominations. Then you can earn a yield in your investment over time. And like I said, they cover all price points. You want to learn more about notes go to your local ria which a real estate investment association or meeting i'm sure that you if you go to enough real estate investment meetings you will find a note broker somewhere there, around there or somebody that's got a note they want to sell for cash at a discount figure out what your discount what your yield needs to be make them an offer buy the note when you buy the note they do an assignment agreement transfer the note over to you and you start collecting the payments it's that simple cash flow quadrant one of my favorite books, it teaches us that we can be separated basically into four quadrants. Now, it's E for employee. That means you have a job. S for self-employed. That means you own a job. Wholesalers, you own a job. Realtors, no, you're not, not really business owners. You own a job is what you do because you're a slave to your client. Phone rings at 9 o'clock and it's that listing that you just wanted down the street. Well, you bet your bippy, you better get off the couch and answer the phone or you're not going to, you're not going to eat this month. So yes, you own a job. That's the reality. B is for business owner. You own a business that provides jobs to others. Or I for investor, which means you are simply investing. In other words, your dollars are out there doing the work. You're investing your money and it's out there working for you, making more money and you get to live off the proceeds. Wholesale a few houses if you must. But what if you dove into buy and hold as a strategy? What if you served only buy and hold buyers in your wholesaling activities? I say this because I teach and I was taught that as a wholesaler, you should serve who you want to become. In other words, you want to, you want to, to be Tarek and Christina and flip houses for a living. Then serve rehabbers. If you want to be a buy and hold investor, then serve buy and hold investors. Wholesale those people properties. You start serving the buy and hold audience. And then learn, and learn how to manage the rentals. And I bet you they'll start paying you to manage those rentals. And yes, it's a terrible job. Some people like it. I can't imagine why, but I, I don't like it. I use property managers exclusively now. Once you've learned the management... Next thing you know, you're going to have a lot, of, a lot more skills than you started out with. Then maybe partner with some of those buyers. In other words, instead of taking a fee, maybe take equity in the deal. Split it with them. So you've learned to manage. Now you're, come, you're partnering in and eventually buy your own. How would that change your outcome? How is that going to change your tomorrow? Now you got a little rental property. Even if it's that little two-bedroom, one-bath, $50,000 house that brings you in 250 a month. If 250 a month isn't much money to you, if it's not important to you, well, then send it to me. I'll take it. Give it to your local charity. Whatever. But I think if I handed most of you listening to this show right now $250, you'd probably put it in your pocket. Because that just makes sense. I don't want to hear the excuses if you don't have credit. And this is what I hear a lot. Well, I got to keep wholesaling. I got to keep flipping because I don't have any credit. Nobody will lend me any money. That's garbage. If you have knowledge and you have a solution, people will put money in the deal. That's not hard. Just about anyone can fix their credit these days with a little bit of self-discipline in a year or less. I'm getting ready to, I'm probably going to have a credit repair guy. I've got a guy in our market who seems like he's pretty reputable. I don't trust a lot of the credit repair companies out there. There's a few that are very, very good. And most are not. So I'm going to bring one of the ones that I feel is good that I've, checked out well and bring them on the show to ask a bunch of questions because well i'm curious and i'm sure you are too but it's my understanding that pretty much anybody can fix their credit in a year or less sometimes it might be a little longer but just about anybody can do it in a year or less if you could do that then you could buy a duplex let's say you buy the duplex with an fha mortgage fha mortgages only require at this at this the time of this recording, a three and a half percent down payment. They do require that you live there for one year. So big deal. You got to suck it up, maybe lower your quality of life for one lousy year. But now you've achieved that cash flowing asset. You've picked it up. You've bought it. You live in one side. Now you're thinking, well, closing costs. Well, guys, you can get the, the seller to pay the closing costs. And if your agent can't pull that off, try getting a different agent. You can compensate if the seller doesn't want to pick up the closing cost. Give them a little extra on the purchase price. Oh, yes. But can you imagine that? Paying them a little extra so they'll finance your closing cost. Why not? If it stands between you and your first investment property, just do it. Then after a year, move out, rinse and repeat, do it all over again. Here's the thing. You get a $100,000 duplex. Just one duplex. Let's say that thing cash flows two hundred. 250 aside you're a good negotiator you've you've structured a good deal you're making 500 bucks a month on that thing once it's rented out is it feasible you could pretty quickly come up with another 3,500 dollars down and do it all over again let's say for example conservatively you buy one per year at 400 bucks a duplex cash flow we'll go low at 400 bucks in 10 years by doing nothing else you're making 48 grand a year passively $48,000 $48,000 a year sitting on your duff doing nothing. If you come to me in 10 years and show me that you're earning $48,000 a year passively, I will stop talking to you about getting off the couch. But if you're not making $48,000 a year passively, then you need to get off the couch. you start taking action, get out there and get it done. It's a duplex, folks. You're not buying the Taj Mahal. It's okay. It's not going to hurt. It won't kill you. And I know there's tenants in toilets. But ask yourself this question. First of all, there's property managers that will take care of tenants and toilets, and if they won't do it, they've got contractors that'll do it for them. Are you willing to walk away from $48,000 a year in passive income because you don't like the thought of having to deal with a toilet? That realistically, you don't have to deal with that toilet anyway? Come on. Don't be a victim. Be a winner. Get a duplex. Get a fourplex. Get used to that passive income. And then keep repeating it, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Folks, that income will last you a lifetime if you want it. If you need more income, simply acquire more assets and do the same same process over and over again. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to me today. Have a great week. Hope to see you over on the mentoring site. Feel free to reach out to us via the mentoring site, cashflowguys.com forward slash mentor. If you have questions or want more information about what we talked about in this episode, go on over to the website. You can reach me through my website, cashflowguys.com. While you're there, make sure you get on my mailing list. I've got some email courses going out on wholesaling and and raising private capital and things like that. So make sure you're registered on my email list. And I look forward to, to you listening in on our next episode. Have a great day.